This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we're going to talk about bass fishing. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's the day before Thanksgiving, November 22nd, and uh, I'm headed to Illinois, the annual, I guess you would call it a pilgrimage, uh, to Illinois to visit with the folks after this for a couple of days so looking forward to that a uh, big shout out to today's guest taking time during the holiday season to jump on btl recently got to spend a little bit of time with him at the obt meeting at uh table rock a uh, long time friend of the show and uh biggest proponent of bringing fish and chips back into the arena that would be uh none other than mike mcclellan from you're in blue eye missouri which is right is that where it is blue eye, missouri that's it yes that has got to be one of the coolest names for a town ever. You know, everybody uh, kind of makes a big deal of it. I've never thought much of it. I mean, when you grow up in uh, <clears throat> this area and your parents are from Blue Eye, Missouri, it just kind of rolls off the tongue. But for most folks that uh, have never been through Blue Eye or uh, even seen what it has to offer, they kind of think it's a little off the wall. What is the population of Blue Eye? You know, Matt, I'm going to be honest. When you drive through town, uh, there is a population sign, but... I mean, a few hundred, if if that. Oh, so it is one of those. I mean, it's around Table Rock, though. It's, yeah, it's, it, where it's on just, Table Rock is it located, though? Because Table Rock is all over the map. Exactly. It is actually here on the south side of Table Rock. I'm basically straight across the lake from State Park and uh, like where Big Cedar Lodge is. And okay. Blue Eye is actually a little town that sits right on the Arkansas-Missouri line. There's actually people that live in Blue Eye, Arkansas, as well as Blue Eye, Missouri. So uh, it's kind of a unique little deal. You know, we're only five miles from the Arkansas line here where we sit uh, uh, here on Table Rock in Missouri. So just a hop, skip, and a jump. And you mentioned you're going to visit your family in Illinois. We're getting ready to head to northwest Arkansas. I'm going to swing by Toyota Fayetteville, pick up a new Toyota Tundra for uh, – next tournament season and uh, we're going to visit the in-laws and uh, parents for thanksgiving as well exciting i am uh i am nine miles away from hitting three hundred thousand on the old chevy silverado <laughs> i'm like three transmissions in i just put front i have no idea what the actual game plan is on that but i'm gonna have to do something soon too mike yeah i understand you know i haven't had a stay stay in their year or two but uh it's just crazy. I, I've won $2,500, $3,500 this year from Toyota in bonus bucks just for some mediocre finishes. So uh, I'm going to keep driving the Toyotas and uh, keep supporting uh, Fayetteville Auto Park there, Fayetteville Toyota. They're uh, good people down there. I know the last couple of days I've been following you on social media and you've been uh, removing the wrap from 2023 on both your boat and your vehicle. Now I've been putting that off on the the btl best on tour boat and then i woke up this morning and there's frost on the grass like how long did that process take do you have any tips or tricks for that because that turned into a nightmare last year for me yeah the the biggest thing there when you start talking unwrapping vehicles or boats yeah. it's, all, it's all about the heat and uh, fortunately we have this uh, really nice 40 by 60 heated and air-conditioned garage so I cranked the heat up the night before last to about 78 degrees in the garage. I let everything get good and warm. And then I just took a little space heater and, uh, you know, would put heat directly on whatever part of the vehicle or the boat that I was unwrapping. And it just makes it go a lot faster. I mean, if you've got direct sunlight and it's 85 degrees, that's by far the best way to unwrap a vehicle or a boat. But if you don't have that, uh, direct heat, you know, and just keeping everything warm. You can't take a cold boat or a cold vehicle and expect to unwrap it very quick. It just comes off in little pieces. Yeah. And it's very depressing when you do that for four hours. So, uh, all right. The big news at hand, uh, the BPT came out with their list and then the opens came out with their list. 
you're going back to bass. You're you're slumming it up in the opens with all nine next year, Mike. Talk me through that decision. You know, I tell you what, Matt. I mean, it, it was really a tough decision, and you know, just even due to the fact that uh, you know, I did end up getting an invite back to the Bass Pro Tour this year. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and beat around the bush. It is very evident to all my fans and all the people that support me. I have had very little to no success on the actual Bass Pro Tour. I've had some good success in the cups and, mm -hmm. you know, some of the specialty events, but uh, the every fish, for, every fish counts format honestly never suited my style when it came to a full blown tournament. Now the cups and the specialty events to me, that was fun. That was bonus. That was like, you know, going to a one-off event, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to compare it to it, but I mean, like Redcrest, the classic, you know, something specialty where there's no points involved. And um, really just the fact that the Every Fish Counts format came back into play this year was one of the main decisions that led me back to the Opens. I, you know, the majority of my history and credentials really are somewhat in bass and the elites. Um, you know, I've got four open wins. I've got four uh, elite series wins and I've got a lot of credibility, a lot of heritage there. And it's just kind of, I'm getting at that point in my career where I know if I'm going to make a final stand, I need to make a decision where to do that. And to me right now, if I can get requalified for the elites in the next couple years, I really feel like I got another, you know, six, eight, 10 years left in me. And I would love to spend them fishing something that I really enjoy fishing. And that is for five fish to try to catch the biggest ones there are and, and really to try to go back to where my career all started. I mean, you know, I've been at this a long time now and uh, it is pretty cool when you look at the history of this sport and what it has to offer. I didn't realize you had four us. Uh, a couple of those were invitational wins but yeah you're in those open wins i didn't realize you had four of those i know you had at least two but yeah you you have didn't you win like four and four years elite series for something or four and five years you had like a streak of every single year you were getting a blue trophy i remember it was it was pretty exciting there when the elite started you know when the elite started i remember just the overwhelming thought of the expense of it and uh you know the sponsorship deals really hadn't all come into place for everybody yet and uh man i remember halfway through that season uh, my credit card was getting pretty maxed out and i believe it would have been the inaugural season i believe of the elites that uh, i snuck up in one grand lake and it was kind of like just you know a burden was list, lifted off of me at that point because it's like, oh, okay, I can pay my credit card bills. And then everything just started clicking from there. You know, sponsorship mm -hmm. opportunities uh, started happening. Uh, the media coverage that we were getting at that point in time with the Elite Series was, you know, off the charts. It was new. It was exciting. Uh, you know, it was something that none of us had really ever experienced. So, uh, yeah, I, I got an Elite Series win the first three years of the Elites. And then, uh, actually, I think it was a little bit of a break. I think 14, uh, the Elite Series here on Table Rock was the next one. So, I guess that would have been 6, 7, and 8. And then I did go from 14, or from 8 to 14 before I won the, the fourth Blue Trophy. Well, I, I, I had it pulled up here. I could have looked. You won the Open Championship in 05, and then 6, 7, yeah. and 8 you won. So, uh, we always talk about... Uh, excelling on your home fisheries and it has to be special you're one of the few guys i think that i would say you've won major events on both of your home fisheries being table rock and grand lake that's kind of a unique deal because i mean those are the places that you're kind of associated with and to, and to win on both of your home bodies of water has to be some really cool memories it really is, but I think the biggest thing about that, Matt, so many guys, when you talk about your home body of, mm -hmm. you know, your home reservoir, your home lake, so many of the guys probably have way more experience on their home bodies of lakes or their home bodies of water than I really do on these places. Yeah, they're the places that I kind of grew up fishing. They're the places that I love to fish, but I think the biggest difference is I never guided here. I never spent, you know, just countless days on Table Rock or Grand Lake. 
it's just, I had enough experience on both of those bodies that I could fish them very comfortably. I could run around the lake and fish a pattern rather than trying to fish spots. And I really believe that's what's kind of led to my success here on these bodies of water. So do you feel like what led to your success and made you one of the top three most consistent anglers in elite series history for a decade is also the reason why you struggled on the Bass Pro Tour, as we saw starting in, uh, I'm serious, starting in 19 with the forward facing technology and the 20 somethings coming in was your greatest strength. Also your biggest weakness in the last five years. In, in a, in a very quick and easy manner of answering that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, completely crazy to look back at the way that I fished and, and, you know, you had the opportunity. I remember you covering me on the water back in the day. And uh, I can remember one specific situation. I mean, I felt like I was as good as there was with 2d and, and down view and, and side view. And I remember one day you pulled up on me and you're covering me and I'm just kind of out meandering around on some ridges on uh, Kentucky Lake. And I'm like, Oh, there, there's one right there. And I dropped down and catch a four pounder, you know, on 2d sonar. And uh, you're just kind of like, oh, he just runs around and catches them at will. But, uh, you know, things have changed so much. And the thing that's frustrating to me, Matt, is when Panoptics, uh, Garmin Panoptics first hit the scene in 2016, I started learning about the technology before I actually had it on my, my tournament boat. And my son actually had it on his boat the year prior to me getting Justin's Garmin. Justin's freaking good at it. He's yeah, really, Justin. he's sneaky good at it. Like, Justin's a wizard with it. Anyway, continue on your story. Yeah, I got well, find that in continue to learn from Justin, but uh, we had an open, you know, the following spring here on Table Rock. And Matt, I'm, I was 100% committed to going and catching them on a rock crawler and a McStick. And I practiced for three days for that open and I'm winding and I'm catching, you know, lots of bass, but I just didn't feel like a person could win. And the final day of practice, I uh, slipped out of state park. I, saw a bunch of seagulls diving across the lake at the mouth of Beardsley. And I shut down and started idling around. And I'm like, man, it looks like there's a bunch, bunch of fish out here. And I picked up a underspin or a swim bait one and threw and caught a three pounder. And I threw again and caught another one about four. And I told the co-angler that was with me, I'm like, I'm done. And he's like, what do you mean you're done? We got all day to practice. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I found the winners right here. And uh, I mean, lo and behold, I mean, Pan Optics allowed me to get that open win in 2017. And I feel like I really, yeah, I feel like I've struggled to stay caught up with how good live scope has gotten. And uh, it's just this new generation of angler has embraced it so strongly that you've got to make that commitment. I think you and I talked about this last week at Table Rock. Uh, you've almost got to make that commitment to do it all day for four hours of the day, you can't jump back and forth and expect to be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, let me pull this up. I sh who, I, I've showed this in the last couple of days, but you mentioned that in 16. Uh, here is a video of uh, four-time angler of the year, Clark Wendlet. That's what it kind of looked like originally. That's That was the pan optic stuff. The blobs, that I, I mean, I remember when that came out, there were a bunch of guys trying to figure out what the hell you're looking at on a live screen and how, but that's, that's what you were seeing in 17 on table rock when it helped you win. It was, but I was fishing suspended fish. And that was yeah. the thing that people really hadn't grasped yet is how good that technology was. I was fishing treetops and bait schools. So basically I had my lower limit set at like 40 feet. So all I was looking at was zero to 40 on my screen. So I was never really seeing the bottom. All I was doing was looking for bait balls mm -hmm. and treetops with fish in them to throw at. And it was just blobs. You couldn't individualize fish. You really couldn't individualize anything except you could tell the difference in timber and bait and, and, and fish. But uh, the technology's come so far. It's just like, I guess that old school mentality in me, that was basically forward-facing 2d sonar is what we were looking at right there uh all right we've seen hackney and christy and ike and these guys all go through the opens it took scott martin a couple years 
We've also seen a lot of guys, and for lack of a better term, they get stuck in the opens, Mike, and they're guys who know how to catch them, like millions of dollars of, of earnings. Was it a difficult decision to, I mean, like I said, you had the invite to the BPT. Was it a difficult decision to step back knowing the risk that you're taking for $5,000 checks for 30th through 30th, 235 boat fields, co-anglers, nine events across the year with only the top nine moving on to the Elite Series? Or are you energized and excited at the new opportunity? You got to be honest about this too, because quite frankly, if I was in your position, I'd be terrified. You know, initially it was terrifying, Matt. But I mean, honestly, when you look at the situation that I was in, even with an invite back to the BPT, I mean, I've got to be honest with myself unless I absolutely had the most incredible year I've had in the every fish counts format next year, I was out anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's just being honest with myself. So the way I look at this, I am excited about going back and fishing the old school type events that I have always had success in. I mean, Jeff Crete and I talked about it a month ago and, and Crete's like one thing about it, dude, he's like, you have always excelled in those big tournament fields. He's like, you go off and do your own thing. He's like, you don't worry about the fact that there's 200 boats on the water and you just grind it out and get it done. And I know mm -hmm. that things have changed now with forward facing sonar with the, you know, what Garmin live scope has done to the world of fishing. It has definitely changed the caliber of angler that we are competing against, but I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. I've got a lot of faith in the good Lord above. And I feel like if this is meant to be one way or another, I will make my way back into the elites. And the thing about it is, is if I understand things correctly, once I do get back to the elites and you didn't, you, you noticed I said, once I do, I didn't yeah, say yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Once I do get back to the elites, I really feel like, Based on what I understand, the career average kicks back in. It does. And you have a hell of a career average. It will be, you know, a very comfortable situation once I get myself back there. So, again, I don't want to fish till I'm 70 years old. I, I want to fish while I'm able to fish, while I'm capable of fishing. I mean, you were with me last week. You know that I still love to do it. I'm as competitive as I've always been. I mean, heck, I'll get up at six in the morning and eat some Andy's frozen custard with you for breakfast. Oh, I did. I had I had Andy's frozen custard and apple pie that you brought to all to 35 people because someone called you out in a group text and you were like, oh, I'll see you all raise you. I'll bring you custard and pie for exactly. the whole group. And I did. I opened I, I had it at like six in the morning. It was the first time I've been doing this like fasting thing until noon. Try to drop, try to drop a few. And it's been working. That was like the one time over the last like two months that I've broken that trend. Yeah, well, Andy's was worth doing it for. But no, I mean, it's it's a situation where. I know that I've got to be in better shape than I've probably ever been in next year to start the year. I've been on my, my treadmill. I've been, uh, you know, walking up and down the hills here in the Ozarks, trying to get everything in order. I've uh, been spending a lot of time on the water. You know, we did uh, the table rock sales meeting event uh, last week. I was up at Lake of the Ozarks, or I guess that was two weeks ago. Last week I was up at Lake of the Ozarks for, uh, the Missouri invitational, the golf and fish event, uh, haven't haven't slid a win under my belt. You know, Cody Huff uh, came in here to the sales meeting deal and, and beat us. Oh and then uh, we we went up to Lake of the Ozarks and I think I ended up in the top 15 up there in the golf and fish. Now, my golfing abilities don't help anything up there, but uh, I did catch them somewhat decent. And uh, I'm just excited to get back at it. You know, the schedule next year, I haven't completely devoured it yet, but to me, this schedule for the Opens next year actually looks like it may not be 100% live scoping all year long. And that, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. not yeah, I look live scope. I mean, I love to do it in the right situation, but I mean, I still like to go out there and fish the way we were fishing 15 or 20 years ago. I can't deny that. Everyone's been saying that it's going to return to that, that the bank's going to be glorious, that all these fish that are that are getting, I mean, have you, you seen that? About that too much? Just no, but I, have you seen that happen yet? Or do you think that's actually going to happen? Or, or do you have to wait for like a generation of fish to get back up on the bank to where they're not getting plunked? I really do believe there are opportunities for that to happen. And honestly, Matt, I don't know so much as that it's a generation of fish as much as it is the aging process that our lakes are in right now. I mean, 
I think you and I talked about it briefly the other day here at Table Rock. You know, 10 years ago here at Table Rock, there was still a lot of cover from the tree line or the bush line out to the old timber line in Table Rock. There were a lot of laydowns and a lot of, you know, logs laying on the bottom and a lot of cover. For some reason, over the last 10, 12, 15 years, a lot of that cover has, you know, basically decayed away. And now there's no cover in that, you know, zero to 15 foot range. And I think that's why live scoping and forward facing sonar has become so prevalent in a lot of these Ozark lakes. It's just simply the fact that our lakes are aging and they, they've changed. And we as fishermen, you know, try to blame it on all these different things. But I simply think it's Mother Nature, you know, taking her course. I think if you saw a year where we get a little bit of high water and the water was in the bushes at Grand or in the bushes here at Table Rock, dude, I think they would throttle them up there on the mm -hmm. bank, but it's just going to take some stability to get those fish back up there. Uh, I remember the 15 open, my buddy Darren that I was traveling with drew you and he was mesmerized on how you were. I'm going to give it away. You'll probably be pissed at me. He was mesmerized at how you were cranking treetops with, was it a prototype rock crawler back then? Or it was, but he was like, dude, he's like, he wasn't cranking the bank. He was cranking open water treetops and worming the crankbait through the treetop and then just smoking them. He was super impressed on how you were doing that. And that was without, without forward faces sonar or anything. You knew where those treetops were. He's like, dude, he's like, he cast out in the middle of nowhere and he'd worm this crankbait through the tops of the trees and just load up. You're giving way too much away. I mean, and, and I, you, I say that, I mean, I've done some uh, Falcon uh, technique series videos here on table rock mm -hmm. talking about that very specific thing that you're talking about. So many people get caught up when they're throwing a crankbait feeling like that they have to be hitting the bottom. And the one thing that we learned and, and I didn't learn it all on my own, but I mean, you know, a lot of my buddies, uh, Kelly power and a number of guys that have, have been successful, successful here on table rock throwing not only crankbaits but stick baits you know understand how these fish set up in position and uh i promise you i have caught more bass on a rock crawler or back in the day a wiggle wart off the bottom in treetops than i have on the bottom and uh it is amazing now with forward facing you know sonar with live scope being able to pull up to those brush piles or treetops and throwing directly at them and not having to make five or six casts to get the one that you want. And uh, those capabilities are definitely still there. I mean, you asked me earlier, have we seen the cell and rock crawlers and mixed sticks decline any? And at this point, I would have to say no, because there's enough people here in the Ozarks, whether it be, you know, Bull Shoals, Table Rock, Lake of the Ozarks, Grand Lake, that understand the effectiveness of a McStick and of a rock crawler that they're utilizing those baits in their live scope fishing. I mean, the last time I threw a rock crawler here on table rock nine out of, you know, I'm going to say 90% of the fish I caught, I caught live scoping them rather than just going down the bank cranking. So, uh, you know, those baits are effective to catch bass live scoping, just like, uh, you know, the big bite jerk minnows and things of that nature are as well. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we have a special guest. I've been talking with Mike off camera a lot about bringing back uh, the possibility of bringing back fish and ships. That was my only shot at glory in the uh, early 2010s. Uh, Would have won that had Frederick Bannis not called a four card straight and lost to Marty Robinson by half a point. But I'm not bitter about that 10 years later. It doesn't bother me at all. But we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, a uh, special guest. And then towards the end of the show, there's a chance we're going to get uh, Brooks Anderson and Rooksby Gordon on the show. They won the uh, the high school college fishing chaos on Lake Martin. And I think when someone wins and they're named Brooks and Rooksby, that, that's worth an interview. But uh, BTL with Mike McClellan, special guest. Thanksgiving edition when we come back we'll be back right after this the new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up with the angler design function and performance in mind nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 
or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96-inch wide-body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Guys, if you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the zip up full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. And it actually has the mask built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good, feel good, and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the zip up Reaper. That's right, windproof. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Wednesday, Thanksgiving tomorrow. I got to drive nine hours today to Illinois on the busiest day of the year. I do see uh, Brooks Anderson, the college angler in the queue, hang tight for about 15 or 20 minutes, uh, and we'll get to you guys. But it is a Thanksgiving. It's time to get back with family. And what would a Thanksgiving show be like without Mark Jeffries? What's up, Mike? Not much, Mark. I didn't know you were going to join us today. Well, I didn't know he was going to join us either. That's awesome. I didn't know he was going to join us either, but here he is. I saw him in the comments lurking, uh, lurking on the SNU bowling profile. <laughs> so, what I else? Shot, I shot him a message and figured, uh, you guys go way back. Uh, oh, Mark, wh where where did you guys start fishing against each other? What what tournament trail was that? That would be the central pro am. Get out of here. <laughs> been a day or two ago. So, so Mike and I have been talking, Mark. Uh, well, actually, Mike's been uh, somewhat badgering me to bring fish and chips back to life. It's, uh, you know, it's a possibility. I, I say that a lot, but with this being my first year doing what I'm doing now, we have the entire month of December off. So I, I know previous fish and ships event, they, they took place in December. Uh, and I don't know, you tell me, Mike, was that a good thing in December? I know we had some situation with, with guys out hunting and going on trips, but you tell me. You know, I think the biggest thing is, and, and Matt and I actually talked about this yesterday briefly, to me, about the only time would be this time of year. And it's all about the weather. I mean, not that any of us are uh, pansies or anything, you know, we'll get out there and fish in the cold. And, and honestly, the way mother nature has been running our calendars lately, December is probably better than October, November, as far right. as the fishing goes. There'll be pre-spawn in the Ozarks. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> What wow. does that involve to bring back, though, Mark? Like, I, I'm kind of scared to take the lead on it just because I know how much work you put in with the casinos, with the logistics, with everything that was going on. I mean, is this like, do you have the blueprint to where, and this is what it is, folks, was it was uh, a poker tournament for points and a fishing tournament for points, and you paired up, and then the overall champion was anywhere from, I think, 15 to 25 thousand dollars over the course of the years but it was a week we stayed at the casino it was a, a great event but what like logistically wise is this something that we can handle or do we need you involved in this you're the only one who can do this if no I, december we can get him yeah we can do it i here's the deal mike i'm gonna have to hire the dude he doesn't do anything for free anymore well who does what, me yeah that's not that's not true i actually still have two of the posters that are in uh, my bonus room upstairs in the house. And honestly, man, I think he could pull it off. The toughest thing is getting uh, whatever casino that we're going to use for the event to, to buy into it. And it was weird because we were on a road trip this past weekend to 
Fairview Heights, Illinois, to McKendree University, and uh, I drove past downstream, and I thought about that, but they, I guess this is their 15th or 20th anniversary. Do you know, Mike? I honestly don't know. That sounds probably about right based on when we had the prior fishing chips, but yeah. uh, you know, there's other options now. I mean, there is a, a place uh, a lot closer to Grand Lake now, Indigo Sky, and actually a lot of the old poker dealers that used to be at Downstream are now at Indigo. There has actually been discussion almost yearly about, are you guys ever going to have fish and chips again from some of those dealers? So I think the opportunity is there. Uh, if we can get their marketing team, you know, behind the event. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing is getting the right group of anglers to participate. You know, I'm not saying it's got to be a, a completely, you know, star-studded field of a bunch of pro anglers, but uh, I definitely feel like if you can get a few of the name anglers uh, that still like to uh, gamble and have a little fun on the weekends uh, to come out and uh, participate, we could uh, we could definitely make it happen. I really believe we could. Hey, Van Am has nothing to do now, and he did say the very first event that we had uh, at Lake of the Arbuckles, he uh -huh. said that was one of the funnest events that he had ever taken part in. So he's got nothing to do now. Yeah. So there are guys, you know, in that situation that I think we could get, get involved for sure. Yeah. Crete hey, come real back quick. I know Matt's pushed for time, but one of the comments no, that I made on the uh, comments on the YouTube comments was that you were one of the best interviews that I ever did for all the years that I was covering the event. And, and it was just something about with certain anglers, the media, whoever was doing the interview, and the players themselves, they kind of clicked, and they knew what you were looking for. They knew the questions, the type of questions that you were going to ask, and I knew the kind of response that I was going to get from you, Mike, when we did do interviews, and you were one of the coolest dudes and, and learned so much well, what from do you, you mean, over the years during those I'm interviews. Not, I'm still not one of the coolest dudes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're bringing Andy's for everything. Oh my gosh, Mark. Loud, you know, <laughs> he he didn't stop fishing. He just went to MLF. Come on. Yeah, I mean, things have changed, and I do remember. <laughs> you know, we were talking about my successes, and and you even brought it up earlier, Matt. I remember when the Bass Pro Tour started. I think I was one of your first interviews, Mark. Yeah. About you know what this was going to mean to my style of fishing. And I did my best to try to convince you and myself that I was still going to be able to fish the way Mike McClellan fished. And lo and behold, my eyes were open very quickly to the fact that uh, with the newer generation of anglers, it just didn't jive anymore. I couldn't go out there. Not to say that there haven't been some successes, you know, in those tougher grinding tournaments. But if you weren't out there doing the right thing with, with forward-facing sonar, with live scope, you were going to fall behind really quickly. And, and, you know, it took me three years, four years to figure out that uh, this format doesn't fit my style of fishing. And that's the reason the decision has been made to do what I'm doing right now. Yeah, and I have to say cool. too, all of my sponsors are behind me, you know, Bass Pro Shop, Ranger, Spro, Sunline, Big Bite, everybody has uh, been very supportive in my decision. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like Matt said, uh, I don't want to be one of those guys that gets hung up in the opens, but uh, hopefully uh, we'll be blessed. We'll move on to the uh, next chapter of our lives and get back in the elites and everything will roll smoothly. I mean, it's nice that Mike's there, but I'm not thrilled about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not uh, giving you any slack. If we go on the same bank, like I got way more open experience. I got, I got I'm 30 of these things consecutively in Mike. Like, I mean, I'm holding my own. I've got a few opens in my past history too there, Matt. I mean, I know they've changed a little, but uh, I'm going to fish them just like I always have. I mean, and that's one thing about it. Like I said earlier, you know, Creed had always said, you know, I don't know how you do it. You just kind of block everything out. And, and I think that is one thing that I do well is I just kind of forget about how many guys are on the water and I do my own thing and uh, I'm going to fish the way I'm going to fish. Mike. Hey, I remember in the early years of the elite series, there was a, a memory of which at Clear Lake, I kind of had the style during that period, during the early phases of covering you guys, I would have to seek kind of the interview at wherever you guys were staying. I would yeah. actually drive around and do a lot of the pre-tournament work, traveling around, going to the campsites, to the 
to the cabins, to the wherever. But I remember the one place that you stayed at Clear Lake with Crete. It was like a little uh, Mexican bungalow. It was weird. It was totally bizarre. And the first thought through my head was, how in the heck did they find this place? And then I get there and there's one side of the room that is an absolute train wreck. I mean, just a disaster. And then there's your side of the room where it was just pristine. It was not going too far. Oh my gosh, Mike. And I, I didn't know where to sit. I didn't know where to stand. And Crete was just kind of over there doing his own thing. And I kind of looked at you and I was like, you want to step outside? You want to do the interview outside? And that was just a train wreck, Mike. Yeah. It, uh, it was very interesting in all the years of traveling with Jeff, uh, the things that I learned to deal with. And uh, that is how I got my nickname Peepaw because I showed up after one or two events with a dirty clothes bag and said, here, dude, take care of your stuff. You know, and that just made it worse. He just said that, you know, the last time someone did something like that for me was when I went off to college and my grandfather got me a dirty clothes bag. So that is when I officially became Peepaw. And that's been way too early for anybody be, to be considered Peepaw. And then as you know, bless, Bless Stacy's heart. She's been Mima ever since. So, uh, and, and we don't even have grandkids. I mean, all these other guys that are younger than I am have grandkids and all these various things. And, I, and I'm peepawing to her. Very nice. All right, man. I'm going to take advantage of the situation here. I'm going to put Mike on the spot. Look, dude, I have an entire month off. One month. We don't have an event until the guys get back on campus. The guys and girls get back on campus the second week of January. Uh, mm -hmm. How about a little winter fishing on Table Rock? Is that a possibility? I'm wide open, Mark. I tell people all the time, and my phone will probably start ringing off the hook now that we're on air talking about this, but I fish so much more than anybody ever knows because I just, you know, I just go. And it's hard to plan these things sometimes. But, uh, dude, I'm telling you, you give me an excuse to get you out here on Table Rock. I mean, fishing should start getting really good. I mean, yeah. Matt saw that it was a little tough, you know, a couple weeks ago, but I really believe the crankbait bite and uh, a lot of things are going to start coming on. But yeah, let's do it. You stay in touch. I've got plenty of room here with a really nice view. You come over and uh, I know Stacy would love to catch up with you. So yeah, let's plan on it. All right. Very nice. Uh, All right. Matt, I didn't know if we wanted to talk about the, the text that I wanted to. Yeah, no, text. I got it uh, dialed up and that's one of the other uh, reasons that I, uh, that I brought you in. So a uh, long time uh, elite series pro professional. Mike, you have a bunch of his trophies in your house. Uh, Dave Smith, owner of MTM recognition and angler passed away. He'd been, uh, he'd been pretty sick hanging on for a while. Uh, I talked to uh, Jared Miller a lot who stayed in constant contact with him, but uh, a pillar in the industry, well-respected hundreds of BASS uh, tournaments under his belt. Uh, but Dave Smith uh, passed away yesterday, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that, guys. I'm very sorry to hear that. And uh, Dave was an incredible man. MTM recognition, you would never know. I mean, the guy's worth a gazillion dollars, treated everybody like gold. I know he would always uh, go out of his way to say hi to me, to talk on the water for pictures. I'm running some of his. Uh, some of his uh, video now. I mean, this is this is over a uh, a decade old there. But uh, I remember he would always, when he came off stage, he would always look around and he'd go. <laughs> Do you remember that, Mike? Like yeah. he, anytime he was in the bag and made eye contact, he was six eight. He's in the uh, in like the Oklahoma basketball uh, Hall of Fame, I believe. Big time athlete, and any trophy. If you have won a trophy with uh, MLF or Bass for the past what twenty years, twenty yeah. or thirty years. That yeah. on the bottom, if you flip it over, it'll say MTM recognition on the bottom. All the blue trophies, the classics, the BFL trophies, all of that uh, goes through MTM recognition. Big Dave's company out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So uh, thoughts and prayers with uh, with his family and all those people at uh, MTM recognition as well. I definitely, definitely concur there, Matt. Dave, uh, you know, back when I had the uh, tragedy I had happen with my ex-wife and daughter, Dave, uh, actually made a memorial plaque for uh, a memorial garden that we did for my daughter 
at her school. And uh, Dave was always there to help any way he could. Uh, super family, super individual. I had the opportunity to, to, to be a team partner with Dave when we were both involved on the Cabela's team. And uh, I, I talked with Dave a lot over the years. I had lost contact with him the last couple. I'm really, really, really hate to hear that he has passed. Uh, David Walker and I, David Walker's mm -hmm. another really tight friend of Dave's. And, uh, you know, we talked to Dave just, uh, I guess it would have been last year when we were at yep. Kentucky Lake. And uh, super, super good man for sure. Uh, I know Dave would get out on his private lake. Miller would go down and get him out on the lake so he could still catch a couple and, uh, and, and set the hook. He hit, got all the boats down there rigged out on his lake. Um, one of the, the cool Dave Smith stories that I know is if you drew him as a marshal uh, with with the what he had at his disposal with MTM recognition, he would have uh, like genuine like sterling silver uh, st uh, sheriff's badges made like that weighed like you know i mean it was like straight up silver and it would have you know the elite series logo and marshall underneath it and every morning when that marshall who just as a random draw would get in the boat he would hand him one of those badges that they got to take home so if you've drawn uh dave smith when he was on the elite series for those years before he retired he'd give every marsh i think it you know it had to be worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars because it was <laughs> like it's like straight silver but i always thought that was kind of a cool gesture that he did with his marshals yeah. Hey, real quick. A lot of people may not realize Dave actually got his start in the trophy business, uh, selling bowling trophies out of his garage when he was the head basketball coach at Southeast high school. I spent numerous, numerous hours talking to Dave about basketball and that's how he got started because coaches didn't make hardly anything back in the day. And to supplement his income, he started this trophy business out of his garage selling bowling trophies. And then he turned it into uh, one of the leading empires in mm -hmm. uh, recognition awards and did so many of the trophies for the bowl games, uh, for NFL players, and just uh, a great, great human being that really was instrumental uh, in this game. And, and I think a lot of people really – uh, don't understand how important Dave was in this industry uh, for what he did. The other thing is, is he's also a member, you mentioned, of the Oklahoma Basketball uh, Coaches Association Hall of Fame, but he is also a member of Oklahoma Christian University Hall of Fame for athletics and was a big-time contributor to where he played and was uh, massively supportive of that college and, and university. And there's actually an athletic complex that has Dave's name on it uh, for oh, his wow. contributions to that program. But just a, a, a he was a character. Uh, you mentioned Matt, he was six foot eight. He was very intimidating. Oh, yeah. He'd walk uh, out. Yeah. But to, to see what he was capable of doing when he was on the front deck of that boat and just how he conducted himself, uh, mm -hmm. he, he's definitely going to be missed. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to uh, Brooks and Rooksby uh, here after the break. One more Dave story, uh, and then we'll we'll uh, let Mike and Mark uh, go. But I remember uh, he was on Clear Lake, and it was when the I think it was the, I think it was the what was the tournament? Was the do you guys went to Clear Lake twice? It was either seven, eight. It was 2010. I think it was 2010. That was when Guy Eaker and Bill Lowen were under the bridge, smashing him on a trap. Yeah. And uh, there are a bunch of guys milling around a flat. Big Dave out in the Cabela's boat, legs crossed, throwing a Shimano on a bait caster with a robo worm on a drop shot like he always did. And uh, these guys are milling, milling about this flat fishing and Big Dave is just leaning on them. <laughs> and, you know, he hooks them up and then, you know, he's not a big fan to get get getting down in the bottom of the boat or anything like that. And he's catching all these fish and, and uh, Van Dam trolls up to him in the tournament. And I'm, I remember watching this and stuff. And uh, uh, afterwards at the weigh-in, I asked Dave, I said, Dave, what did, what Kevin want? And Kevin had gone over. This is a let, this is a, allegedly Kevin came over and he said, big Dave, I'm struggling. W what are you catching them on? Big Dave said, he looked at him and he goes, you're a big boy. You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. 
That sounds like Dave. So uh, before I let you go, and Mark, you're welcome to stay on. I mean, if you want. No, uh, I got I got work to do, man. I'm right in the middle Uh, of of recruiting on this day off. I see the Brunswick, the SNU. SNU is uh, is uh, one of the premier supporters of SNU Bowling. Is BTL along with Cohen Construction and Knighton Industries. Uh, proud sponsor of SNU Bowling, a top 10 nationally recognized program uh, in its first year of existence. Congratulations on that, Mark. Congrats, Mark. Yeah, f- uh, the final rankings came out uh, week number nine uh, for the first half of the season, and we dropped two spots to number 10, but there's never been a year one program finishing the top 10 in the rankings for the first half of the season. So making waves, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can make some myself this next couple of years. Well, we mentioned it. We met, talked about the rock crawler and the McStick. Anything coming down the pipeline from Spro that, that people might be uh, excited about? Uh, and then we'll let you guys go and get to the uh, high school college chaos champs from Lake Martin. I would definitely say so. Uh, you know, with the classic being at uh, Grand Lake this next year, uh, Spro is going to offer a couple of. Uh, if, if my understanding is correct here, we're going to actually have some kind of exclusive colors that are only going to be sold at the Classic. So you want to be sure and get by the Spro booth and check that out. Uh, also working on a brand new, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just basically say this spade is, is more, it's, it's honed for live scoping. It is a new jerk bait that we've been working on. Um, I, I know if anybody follows my social media last fall when everybody or this fall when, uh, you know, the season seemed to be over and everybody else was uh, crawling up a tree. I was out here on Table Rock testing a new jerkbait for Spro. And uh, I am hoping that I don't know if it will hit during the classic. If not, I know it'll be introduced at ICAST, but it is a new uh, 110 version of the mixed stick that is going to be very, very specifically uh, tailored to, uh, you know, forward facing sonar fishing. So, uh, we're excited about that. And then new colors of rock crawlers coming as always. Yeah. You got to get Jeffries out there, put him over 130 foot of water, casting 80 feet at fish five feet down. He would love that. Mike <laughs> just is, spin absolutely. him around in circles in the main yeah. channel for 12 hours and say, you ready to go tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, I got lost. I got lost. Mike, I'll be in touch, man. You bet, Mark. All right, right, guys. See, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, high school, college, chaos, champions, Brooks Anderson and Rooksby Gordon BTL pre-Thanksgiving. We'll be back right after this. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife. And Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry. So whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prized possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm, 
and the ram tail craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty. We've got Copper Shad which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. All right, we are back, BTL. Uh, if you guys remember a couple, well, probably a month ago now, we had uh, Logan Parks, one of the 20-somethings that qualified for the Elite Series, but he has the Logan Parks uh, Foundation, and then one of his sponsors is also uh, Chaos, Fishing Chaos, which is an app doing a bunch of cool stuff where they're kind of pairing uh, high school kids with college kids, and uh, they had that event uh, last week or week, couple weeks ago on Lake Martin. So uh, Logan reached out. He's like, hey, you want to talk to these guys? And I was like, absolutely. So we'll bring in uh, Brooks Anderson. Brooks, you got how's me? Going? Yep. How's it going, Matt? College. Good Lord. You're already dialed. You got a professional microphone. You got 50 plaques behind you. You got posters. You are uh, you're dialed in, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Before and then we'll start. I got to show you yep. this. These two pictures of scale oh, and you. No way. One second. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. So my dad's a huge fan of the show, and I couldn't couldn't get on here without showing those two real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. That was at the classic. That was when Frank went to that classic, and he was uh he was blown away. That's awesome. Uh, what year are you? So I'm I'm a senior this year at Emmanuel. Okay. okay. So this was a cool event because it paired. Was it a random pair between college and high school anglers to kind of give the high school anglers a little taste of fishing kind of at that next level? Right. So they actually went through kind of a draft system where depending on how many days you did practice, that was kind of you get to pick your high school angler based on that. So it was random to a sense, but it wasn't completely random, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So did you get to pick Rooksby? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. I had a couple guys selected and then some of the other guys picked most of them. And I was like, well, this, this guy's got a pretty cool name. And look, that's good. what I figured. Yeah. Did you pick it off the day? Brooksby, thanks for jumping on Bass Talk Live. Appreciate the time. I mean, I would assume you're on your Thanksgiving break. And what are you? How old yes, are you? 16. Yeah. So this is probably pretty early for you, man. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, talk a little bit about this tournament and then getting paired with Brooks and what it was like on uh, on Lake Martin, a cool opportunity for high school kids. Um, the tournament was really, really cool. It's like something like we've never really had in high school and college, like the every fish counts format. And uh, Lake Martin was amazing. I mean, we caught in practice, me and my high school partner, we fished together and we caught probably close to 50 and then when me and brooks went out we probably caught close to 80 so it was really really fun and then didn't you guys do something at uh at the auburn stadium yeah we had a uh, on saturday because we practice fish you could practice fish wednesday thursday friday and then saturday was like the meeting and then the draft and all that and uh it was like in the jordan hare stadium we took a picture in there and then there was like the meeting and then the draft night. And then they had this uh, one hour session where you could go and speak to all the colleges um, mm -hmm. in the locker room. And it was really cool to get to meet all the college coaches and college anglers and really get an idea of where you would want to go and fish in, uh, or in college. That's probably the most positive thing that's happened at Jordan Hare this year. <laughs> 
just lost all the Auburn fans. Uh, anyway, this event raised, it was like 82 boats, so 160, and then raised $175,000 uh, uh, lo- for the Logan Parks Foundation. Its mission is to empower the future of competitive anglers uh, by nurturing the talents of high school and college anglers. So, uh, Rooksby, where do you want to go fish in college, or do you want to fish collegiately? Uh, I know I do want to fish collegiately. I'm not really sure where I would want to go yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of options and places I'd consider, like Emmanuel, UNA, Auburn, Kentucky Christian, Drury, colleges like that. Wow. And Brooks, you go to Emmanuel. Yes, sir, I do. Okay, so this is like the perfect opportunity to get kind of the next the next class in. What was it like? you know, fishing with Rooksby, I mean, kind of fit. What is the program like at Emmanuel? Are you guys pretty, pretty dialed in there? Yes, sir. So we have 28 kids on our team and me holy and cow. Couple, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty big, but me and a couple of the guys from high school, we kind of went there and founded it and really got it started. And we've, and we've been able to grow it for the past couple of years. So it's been really cool to just travel around the country and really see a lot of these lakes like Harris Shane, some of the Ozark lakes and areas mm-hmm. like that before I do jump to that next level and kind of not pay for it on my own dime and kind of just get that background. But it's been, it's been a really cool experience fishing there for sure. Uh, what is, what is your next level? Like I said, you said you're about to graduate. You got a year where you, where are we fishing in the next couple of years? Uh, next year, more, more likely going to fish some of the Toyotas and just mm-hmm. try to make that championship and then probably hit the opens in a couple of years. Uh, how old are you now? I'm 21. All right. Interesting to see five 22 to 23 year olds make the elite series through the 175 guys. Do you follow that? I mean, did you notice that Logan's like one of the older guys in that group, believe it or not? But I mean, yeah, that's like, that's like right where you are. So it's, it's incredible how the age of elite series and BPT pros continues to not only drop, but plummet into the mid to low twenties. Absolutely. And I think y'all hit on a lot earlier when your, your conversation with mm-hmm. Mike and just kind of the live scope thing. And that's definitely a big part of it. But I just think a lot of these younger guys just have that drive and work ethic to really put themselves in some of those positions. Rooksby, what's the what's the high school scene looking like? Are you fishing in these high school tournaments where there's five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred boats? Um, in our like in the state we have the Alabama high school bass nation. Yeah. We have probably 150 boats every tournament. And then those can get you qualified to the national championship, which the national championship has like four had 481 last year. Did you fish that? Uh, no, sir. Oh, okay. I didn't make it. Yeah. I was curious. I want to talk to some of these guys that are fishing the mega high school tournament. So do you feel like you've learned a lot through the high school program to make you a better angler? And is this what you want to do? for your career as well or is this just kind of a fun thing no, this is like really like my drive and my passion and what i really want to do with my life really so are you a tournament guy do you follow the bpt and the elite series are you a youtube guy like hook me up here because i'm i'm freaking old man who are we following right now what are the high school kids into what what is giving you this passion to drive uh i watch like the elite series their youtube channels that's normally what i watch okay. yeah so you're an you're an elite series guy yes sir all the anglers like polinick and mm-hmm. hunter shryock yes, and sir. uh drew benton and drew cook and all those guys yes sir interesting what about the college i mean is that still the same there i mean you have to be to see all this stuff and then have logan there like you guys have to in the at the college ranks be like realize how close you are to making it i always said 10 years ago when i was covering this thing that pretty soon it won't be where you're from it'll just be like football where they're like here's this offensive lineman from lsu or here's the quarterback from oklahoma and i think i think we're there i think we're seeing the vast majority of guys with some college experience at least now uh do you guys talk about that as a team do you guys do college stuff to kind of prepare anglers for the next level Definitely. You kind of touched on a lot of really good topics. And it, it seems like I just got into college a few months ago, but I've been there for four years. And just I think the biggest thing for me is just like I said earlier, being able to travel and see 
a lot of these lakes year in and year out and kind of go to the same lakes at the opens or mm-hmm. these big Toyotas go to. And I think traveling with a group of guys, when you get to break down lakes in that kind of fashion and just bounce ideas off each other's heads have been the biggest thing for me. And you can definitely tell that there are some guys that are serious about it. And then some other guys that do it just kind of to do it, but there's definitely a lot of extremely talented college anglers that will be making it to the next stage for sure. I think one of the most underrated things that's happening in college is you have some serious guys from every team that are around the country and you kind of get to know each other. It's really easy through social media. Now Uh, you see each other at tournaments and when it is time to make that next step, you talk about the networking that exists. So before you take a 20 to 25 year old guy and you put him in Florida and he's from Oklahoma, he has no, but if you know the guys that are fishing for, florida or florida A&M or whatever now you have this and it works back and forth i mean there's a lot of communication between regions and states and teams aren't there absolutely definitely and i've made a ton of relationships over the past few years like you said and just knowing people up north and in florida and alabama wherever you have it and just just being able to touch base with them before you go to an event really makes a lot of difference all right, guys. Uh, anything else you want to get in here before uh, before we wrap it up? Like I said, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I think you both killed it, Rooksby. That is, I mean, did you iron the hat before the show? Uh, no, sir. I got to get with the style, man. I can't. I can't do it that flat. You make it look good. Thank you. All right. What do you want to major in in college? Uh, I'm really not sure. You just want to fish. Yeah. All right. Brooks, Rooksby, congratulations on the win. What'd you guys have? Like 20 so you blew that you blew everyone away in this tournament, didn't you? Uh sort of. So we had Yeah, you can say yes if that's what happened. It's not bragging if I ask. <laughs> but uh we had fifty pounds in the first two qualifying periods, and then we kind of laid off and then went practicing for a little bit and then had twenty-nine in the last hour and a half. So definitely pretty cool. Just ditch fishing all day and really just targeting those big schools with a lot of scope how many guys are scoping in college is everyone scoping uh pretty much everyone says they scope or they are but there's definitely like a select group of people that actually can translate that into their results okay it's the same way with bigger tournaments but there's a lot of people that do it but there's definitely kind of a class of people that really what about the high school stuff you got two high school guys standing up front is everybody scoping in these high school derbies not really. I mean, a lot okay. of people just beat the bank. That's good. You get, yeah. It. I remember we fished Ufala two years ago in the state championship, and not much people were fishing offshore. It like gave a few of us like an advantage being offshore because, like, you know, in the summertime out there, after about ten o'clock, you're not going to catch much beating the bank. So. That's good. Well, congratulations. Uh, I would assume that that Logan is hoping to probably turn this into an annual deal. Uh, and you both have one more year. So you guys like paired up for next year as well. Like, is that like a thing now that you won, you have to fish or do you have to go through the draft process all over again next year? Yeah. So I think it will be the draft system next year, but I'll actually be graduated. So oh, okay. it'll be left up to Rooksby. All right. Well, you got to you got to carry on the tradition. So thanks for jumping on uh, BTL and uh, thanks for the great interviews and tell your dad I said hi, uh, Brooks. All right. See you guys. Yeah. All right. There you go. That was Brooks Anderson and Rooksby Gordon, who won the high school college chaos uh, on Lake Martin. Absolutely blew it away. All right. Heck of a show today. Um, Like I said, sad news about uh, Big Dave Smith. uh, Well liked incredible uh business mind very humble uh miller actually texted me he was probably uh in the professional fishing world the closest guy to him i know big dave would would pay miller to go get 50 gallon drums of shad for his private lake and all sorts of miller's got all sorts of stories about big dave so uh definitely will be missed uh by all those who knew him and the fishing community did like i said did a lot of stuff behind the scenes was very proud of uh mtm recognition and what he was able to uh contribute in the form of those uh that recognition i've got uh i got 15 mtm recognition uh trophies i think the only one that i don't have is the uh u.s open one but yeah i got flw there bass nation and college and 
they all came from big david mtm recognition uh big shout out to mike mcclellan for jumping on the day before thanksgiving also mark jeffries uh, jumping on the show last minute. Uh, like I said, I did not know he was going to be on, but that was exciting. Tomorrow, uh, we're actually going to give Frank a day off. We're actually going to give Frank Scalish a day off. Uh, no day for Thursday. We will be back Monday the 4th. Pete Glusick from Bass University and Opens champion. Also, uh, breaststroke swimmer at Chesapeake Bay. Uh, we'll be on the show on the fourth and then the sixth i'm not sure what we're going to do tuesday the fifth but the sixth uh we have zeke anderson from uh he used to work at uh the bass tank but he is a crappie guru we're doing a crappie show it's 30 degrees the water's getting down there zeke is a bass fisherman and probably one of the best crappie anglers in the state he's going to come in and talk about transitioning that kind of time period where if you're a bass angler and you want to get on the water and have some fun Uh, with the crappie we're going to talk to zeke so that's all we got have a safe happy and healthy thanksgiving thank you for all the support couldn't do it literally without the btl family you guys rock we will talk to everybody next monday we're out of here